This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 85. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers podcast, and today is the November monthly roundup episode. So on this episode, as I do each month, I'll be going through my takeaways from my interviews this month. So this month, I'll be going through my takeaways with Andres Ocampo from episode 81, with David Wonke from episode 82, Isaiah Fowler from episode 83, and then Kieran Ravindra from episode 84. So first up was Andres Ocampo, and Andres Ocampo is the founder of Entrepreneur, the apparel business uh, that sells a lifestyle uh, apparel brand, branded uh, apparel specifically for entrepreneurs, t-shirts and different things like that with with success quotes and and things targeted to entrepreneurs. And I really like the way that Andres set up his business because, uh, you know, he found out that, you know, Clearly, just like Nike uh, has dominated the the sports niche and kind of went in there and became the brand for for sports and you know many people associate Nike gear with 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 playing sports. He wanted to do the same thing for entrepreneurs, and he saw that there really wasn't anything in the marketplace currently doing that. There was no you know T-shirts for entrepreneurs, hats and gears, and he kind of wanted to be the uh, the, the Nike of entrepreneurs. Uh, and uh, he was so successful that in, in his first uh, first year, he made uh, he made six figures in the business, uh, and and through the conversation that I had with Andre, some things that really stuck out to me that I thought was super cool um, was that he said that originally, uh, as is the case with a lot of entrepreneurs, this idea of starting this apparel brand was not his first idea. His first idea was to start a uh, an application, a phone app that would revolutionize language learning, as he put it. Um, and uh, but then he went to his mentor and he told his mentor about that idea. And his mentor said, hey, you know what? I don't think that's going to work. Uh, and he gave him two main reasons why it wasn't going to work. And the thing about that is Andres said, OK, and he listened to what his mentor mentor's reasons were. He thought they were good reasons and he decided to pivot away from his idea. And I think that that's really important because I think a lot of times we can get really wedded to uh, one particular idea for a business and we close ourselves off to. Um, possibilities that may actually be better ideas because the first idea maybe isn't well thought out or there's something easier to do or there's something that just makes more sense for the current uh, climate and the economy or for a whole host of reasons. Uh, and sometimes it takes someone else looking at our business from the outside looking in to show us that and to um, you know let us know that you know there, there may be a better option that we're not necessarily paying attention to. And that's what happened with Andres. And as a result, he was able to, you know, take a step back and think about, you know, what really, really he wanted to do. He realized he just loved the idea of entrepreneurship. And then he just, you know, initially just fell in love with the name entrepreneur and the spelling of it. Wasn't really sure what the business was going to be, but knew he was going to make something out of that. And later on, he realized that um, he could make an apparel company out of that. And we talked a little bit about this sort of evolution that he went through of, of this idea. Uh, and, and the other thing that I, that I liked that, that he did was he tapped into, you know, a current trend 
And this current trend was the use of motivational quotes. You know, he saw a lot of people doing this on Instagram and posting motivational quotes on Facebook and Pinterest. And he said, hey, this is a great thing that people are, are really, really resonating with. You know, there are all these Facebook pages and Instagram posts and photos going around with, with all these motivational quotes. People seem to really like them. What about doing the same thing on T-shirts uh, with the entrepreneur brand specifically targeted to people who are who are either entrepreneurs or, or interested in entrepreneurship in some fashion, and he wants to identify with that through some sort of you know cool, interesting entrepreneurial style quotes uh, on on different apparel, and that really worked for him. Uh, and the other thing that I thought was really cool in the interview was that um, we talked about the first set of ideas that Andres had for for the apparel. He said that uh, initially he he went to uh, someone who was going to start printing out, you know, making some of the, the first apparel items. And he said he had some like, you know, super flamboyant, just like really stylish, complex items that he wanted to produce uh, for this for this brand. And uh, he said the guy who was running the apparel company was like, you know, first of all, what you want to do is slow down a little bit, because with your first run of, of these items, you don't want to go too big, you don't want to do something too different, you want to test the market first and make sure that people actually want what you're going to sell them. They're actually interested in, you know, having entrepreneur branded sort of items. Uh, and so he said, okay. And so what he did was instead of going with the ideas that he had before that were a lot more complex and flamboyant and things like that, he decided to, to kind of scale, scale things back and start with a simple t-shirt. Uh, and those simple t-shirts just had entrepreneurial quotes on them and, uh, and they sold really, really well. And that was a good lesson for Andres because, you know, if he had gone out and decided to try something super complex you know, it didn't work out and he spent a whole lot of his money on it or, you know, potentially all of his money on it, then he would have nowhere to go. But since he decided to go with a simple T-shirt idea, it was much cheaper to get into uh, and T-shirts are much, you know, much easier to sell. Uh, and there's a much broader market for something like that than than some of the more complex things that he was he was looking at doing. It was much easier for him to test the market and realize there actually was a market from this. Um, and even with doing this, he also talked about one of the mistakes that he made uh, early on, and that was in a particular design. Uh, and he said that, you know, he he had a, a, a concept for a T-shirt. He went out and, you know, spent about $1,000 getting these T-shirts printed out. And as soon as he got them back, he realized it was a typo uh, in the T-shirt. And he had to scrap the entire thing. Uh, but the good thing about that is it just taught him a lesson. Um, and, you know, when we when we were talking about failures and, uh, and, and different, and different things. The one thing that really stood out to me that, that he said that I really liked, um, was he said, you, there really isn't a matter of, do you win or lose? He said really is, did you win or did you learn? Right? Because in every situation, either you got what you wanted or there should be some sort of takeaway from it. There should be something that you learned so you don't make the same mistake next time. And if you take that perspective, for me, it's so much more positive than thinking about it as a win or a loss. It's just you either you won or you learned something. You gained something out of that. Even though it didn't work out the way you wanted it to, there was still something positive you can take away from that that will help you going forward in the future. And I think that's really, really important, especially being an entrepreneur, because there's always going to be things that don't work out. There's always going to be something that kind of knocks you down and takes the wind out of your sails. And if you look at every negative thing that happens and every thing that doesn't work out exactly how you want it uh, in, in, in such a harsh way, 
then it'll be really, really hard to keep going. So I really like that 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 concept of either you win or you learn because you're get some you're getting something out of it either way. Uh, the other thing that that uh, that Andre said um, was that his mentor advised him that uh, in entrepreneurship it's really important to have patience uh, and know that you know success will take time and just just have trust in the process. And be willing to see your vision through, because so many people they have an idea and they and they believe in it so much, but they they're not patient. They want the idea to just you know take off from the start and uh, you know have amazing sales from the beginning. And a lot of times it just doesn't. Work. And most of the time, really, it just doesn't work that way. You know, to take take years for something to take off. But if you're patient enough to wait it out and and have the expectation that it will take you years, then you'll be able to weather the storm and weather these you know, sort of unexpected events that come up um, and, and aren't as positive and, and, keep, and keep going knowing that, that, that it doesn't mean there's something wrong with your business. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with your process it, per, per se. There could be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that just because it's not working out um, right away. It's just the fact that these sort of things just take time and that's just the reality of it. So next up was David Wonke from episode 82. So David um, is the owner of Pure Tropics, uh, which is a skincare business. And, uh, and David's story was super interesting because I like the fact that David developed his skincare business, as many entrepreneurs do, which is solving a problem that he had himself. You know, he wasn't really looking out in the market and saying, hey, I'm going to develop this amazing product so I, that I can sell it to the world. He said, I have a problem. And his problem was that he had ingrown hairs. And every time he went to get a haircut, he'd have all these ingrown hairs that would grow up and they were very painful and uncomfortable. And he wanted to find a solution. And everything that he tried on the market just did not work for him. And so he said, you know what? Since nothing else is working, I'm going to create my own product. I'm going to create my own cream to get rid of these ingrown hairs. And that's exactly what he did. He went online. You know, he played around with uh, a variety of different recipes until he found something that actually worked for him. And, uh, and, and once he found that out, he was like, well, you know, clearly I'm not the only person that has this problem. There's a whole lot of other people out there that have the exact same issue. And so now I know I have a product that I can go out and market to people and make money from. Uh, and and the next thing that was super cool was when I was talking about, like, how did he figure this all out? How did he figure out, you know, how to put these formulas together? He's not a chemist or anything like that. How did he figure out, like, how to do, you know, all the all the elements that are involved in product development and getting things out to customers? And he said, you know, he just used Google as his resource. And I think that, you know, one of the things that, that sets so many great entrepreneurs apart from everyone else is that they're very resourceful. You know, instead of thinking and, and, and dwelling on the fact that they don't, they're not an expert in a certain thing, they say, how do I become an expert? You know, what tools do I have at my disposal? And, and he knew that he had Google. And with the power of the Internet, he could pretty much figure out anything and learn anything. And that's what he did. And he just spent his time teaching himself and going for one iteration that didn't work until he figured out a formula that did work. And then doing the same thing, learning the process of, uh, of building his business. Um, and the other thing that David did was, um, was really early on, you know, he, he saw how important and how powerful Instagram was for growing businesses. And so he decided to jump on that, jump on the Instagram bandwagon when it was working uh, and rode that wave. And, you know, he was, he was going out there and, and, you know, direct messaging influencers and building relationships with them and, and um, and and he would go and find competitors and um, and he would look at their he said he would just sit in bed at night 
and look through his competitors' comments and see people who made positive comments. And if, and if they made positive comments, he would see like what you know what are, what are people liking about this business. And if he said if they made a negative comment, then he would reach out to them. I guess he said he, he reached out to them even if they made a positive comment. But he would even reach he would reach out to them even more if they made a negative comment, and you know just let them know that hey, I have a product that's even better, and I can offer you a better a better deal than this other person that clearly has not satisfied you. And he grew a lot of his business um, through that, through through these influencers that he grew relationships with that were, were promoting his products on Instagram and then just direct messaging people and just having that hustle to just be out there um, and, and get in front of his customers. Um, and the other thing that was super cool is with with, you know, David's kind of you know, get in front of the customer and, and always be in constant communication with the customer, he learned some really, really powerful things about his business early on. So he said that with his skincare line, he initially thought that this would be a great product for men, you know, because he's a man and he has this ingrown hair problem. And I guess he wasn't really assuming that women uh, had the same problem or at least to the same extent. But once he started selling his products and he started looking at who his customers actually were, he saw that the vast majority of people who were buying his products were not men, but were women. And then he said, hey, I'm, I need to I need to totally shift gears and market my product totally differently. Instead of marketing to men, I need to market to women because that's who's buying the product. Uh, and I like the fact that he was so flexible because I think, you know, that's another thing is like people being so wedded to thinking they know who their target market is and then just, you know, keep going after this one group. And not really testing it and, and, and looking at what the data is telling them. And in David's case, you know, he said that really changed the game for him. That changed everything once he realized men were not his target market, but instead women were. And that's who he really needed to, to focus um, his attention on. And so um, so so even with that, he he continued um, he continued that same strategy of of listening to his customers. And he said nowadays he doesn't even make a product unless he hears that his customers want it first you know he listens to what they say what complaints do they have what sort of skincare problems are they talking about and then he makes products based on that he doesn't just make assumptions about what he thinks the market might want and throw something out there no he listens to them and then makes products based on the feedback the direct feedback um that he's getting uh another thing that david talked about that i thought was was interesting was the uh, was was strategies and how much luck plays uh into any one particular strategy and I think this is kind of a, a touchy topic, and we'll talk about this a little bit more uh, later on in, in, in this episode, but um, the, the, the fact that luck does play a significant role in entrepreneurship is, is something that I think some people don't want to talk about because, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel like if you say that they were lucky, it takes away from the hard work. Right. And, and people usually ask the question if someone was lucky or did they work hard as though it's mutually exclusive, as though you can only be one or the other. Either it was hard work or it was all luck. And to me, it's always a combination of both. I don't think anyone's successful without both hard work and some luck. Some things have to go, you know, in your favor that could have obviously gone in a very, very different direction. And your business would potentially not have been nearly as successful or maybe not even successful at all. And so David recognized this and he said, you know, with, with trying different strategies, um, you know, he said a lot of it's luck. And, and what that means is you just have to test out a lot of different things. Like, you know, you, you, you see one person and they have a strategy and you try to do the exact same thing and it just does not work for you for whatever reason. And then you just say, okay, well, you know, that didn't work. Let me try something else. And you just keep going through these different iterations of things until you find something that works. And sometimes, yeah, you can do, you can do market testing and you can do things to kind of, I guess, curve that 
you know, luck uh, in your favor a little bit more. But I think um, I think a lot of it does does rest on just, you know, testing out there and 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 who knows if you happen to try, you know, try the strategy that, that someone else tried six months ago and now there's some algorithm change or some unlucky event that happened that, you know, that just for whatever reason doesn't work for you. And you have to just be willing to be flexible, pivot and uh, and just go a different direction if, if that's uh, what happens. Um, and so I, I really like that um, that that David was um, was was flexible, uh, was flexible in that way. Uh, and he talked about the the importance of you know being able to face challenges and being willing to pivot and always learning in business and as an entrepreneur because he said you know there there's always going to be new challenge no matter how good you are no matter how much success you have there's always something unforeseen ahead of you and if you're not the kind of person who can pick yourself up after each challenge no matter what no matter what stage you are at in your business there's always going to be something that 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 will be unexpected. So you just have to get used to and become comfortable um, with uh, with that sort of uncertainty. Now, next up was Isaiah Fowler, Fowler from episode 83. Now, Isaiah is the founder of Starts With a Vision. He has a great website, great podcast, and a, and a loyal community of people uh, that follows him because of his inspiring message that he puts out there uh, and helping people you know, become entrepreneurs to see their vision through to really, um, I guess, work to their to their greatest potential. Uh, and you know, I thought as Isaiah's interview was super powerful because you know he he was very personable, and I, I think that's why I think is what so many people like about Isaiah is that he doesn't really hold back. You know, he's he's kind of an open book. He 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 speaks from his heart and he shares really personal things. And and in that episode, you know, he shared that when he was in the military. How he uh, contracted malaria, and uh, at one point he was almost he was on his deathbed, and uh, he said that that was really the moment that kind of changed everything for him because he thought to himself, you know, what have I accomplished with my life so far? And when he looked back on it, he realized he hadn't done really much that he was super proud of, and he just didn't want to die that way. Uh, and so he he set out from then on to to change his life around, you know, to become successful, to do things that he would be proud of. And that was kind of what sparked him to want to become an entrepreneur in the first place. And so, you know, he, he started out with real estate initially, and then and then he started to move his business online. And so he started a great podcast, which is his Starts With The Vision podcast, uh, which he's done over 300 episodes and interviewed, you know, great people. And, and, and he does, you know, interviews as well as um, solo episodes. Uh, and with that, I, I think that that combination is, is really cool because, you know, when I was talking to him about why he does the interviews and the solo episodes, he said, you know, he wanted to do the solo episodes because he wanted to, one, be able to show people, um, you know, the, the more personal side of him and then also tell people that he's a true entrepreneur, that he has actual experience. And it wasn't just him tapping into the knowledge of other people, but also sharing his own personal knowledge from his experiences as an entrepreneur. Uh, so I like those, I guess, both sides that he took with his um, with his podcast. Um, and one thing that I, I, that, that I also like that he shared that, you know, again, as, as I said, he's, he's an open book and he's, he's just not afraid to say things that others may be embarrassed to say. He was talking about an interview that he had with, uh, with Evan Carmichael. And, um, he said after the interview, you know, Evan said to him, you know, I like what you're doing, but he said, uh, there's always room for quality. And he said that really, really stuck with him. He was like, wow, that's, that's super powerful. 
And and I think for me, that is cool that he was willing to share that because it's so true. Like you can be kind of, you know, stuck in your bubble and and especially with online, you know, business, online things, doing podcasts, doing YouTube videos, writing blog posts. A lot of times it can become a lot more casual than let's say you would be if, if, if you were doing something in another medium, right? A podcast, maybe more casual than if you had like an actual radio show that was on the air, right? A YouTube video, maybe a lot more casual than if you had like a real TV show that was actually aired on, on, a, on a network. Um, and, and, you know, your blog post may be a little bit more, you know, have typos in it or whatever. Uh, it may not be as grammatically correct as if you were writing for a newspaper per se, right? And so I think that that, that, advice that he got that there's always room for quality really stuck out to him and I thought that was cool too because I you know it kind of just is a constant reminder that regardless of the medium that you're working in and how you know you may think that you can relax a little bit more quality is so important and your audience um, really needs uh, needs you to have quality Um, and Isaiah said in the beginning I was asking him about like you know, how did he figure out his target market? He said, you know, I didn't have a target market. He said, I was my target market. You know, he started his podcast for himself. And I think that's really interesting because, you know, I think a lot of people, they do get, sometimes you can get caught up in this whole idea of like, I can't get started with anything until I figure out what my exact target market is. Who's my perfect avatar? And a lot of times you are the avatar, right? You you are the, because, you know, you are a person, you have certain issues and wants and needs. Um, and sometimes just starting out with yourself as the avatar can be enough. And that's what Isaiah did. And it, and it really worked out for him. Because the reality is, if you have certain questions, and if you have certain issues, there's there's definitely other people out there who have the same questions and the same issues. And sometimes you you might be in a minority, and that you have a question or issue that not a lot of people have, and you put it out there, and you realize there are not a lot of people, not as many people as you would like that resonate with the same message. But you never really know until you try it. But I think that's a good place to start. Is, uh, is starting with yourself, uh, like Isaiah did. And another thing that he that he mentioned uh, when we were talking about how he grew his, his podcast audience uh, that I thought was super cool is he said he used Facebook Live. So he would record his podcast uh, as a Facebook Live and then uh, put it out there for people to see. And, you know, the podcast episode, the actual one that would go on, his podcast would go out, you know, maybe a couple weeks later. But having that live element uh, got him a lot of notoriety and people would ask questions like, hey, who is this Isaiah guy? You know, what's your podcast? What's your what's your, uh, you know, website? And uh, and that helped him to grow his business and his audience um, a little bit more. Uh, so last up this month was uh, Kieran Ravindra from episode 84. Uh, and Kieran is the founder of Carbon Trim Solutions. Uh, Carbon Trim Solutions uh, is a company that makes carbon fiber uh, cell phone cases and other accessories such as wallets and keychains and things like that. And uh, I really enjoyed my my interview with Kieran because, man, he just like, he, he's, he was so young when he got started. You know, he was talking about how, you know, he, he started his business when he was in high school. And, um, you know, he, he, he really didn't know much about manufacturing. He didn't know much about creating cell phone cases. The only thing that he knew was that he was looking for, you know, similar to, you know, uh, David, where David was looking for a skincare product, Kieran was looking for a carbon fiber cell phone case, and he just didn't find anyone selling one that he thought was was any good. And so he set out to create one himself. Uh, and we kind of walked through the process that he uses to that he used to manufacture his product because I, I wanted to know, like, you know, what what goes and in, what's involved in 
making a product? You know, how do you find a manufacturer? Like, how do you vet all these sort of things? And so he said, you know, he went on Alibaba. Uh, and uh, the, the, the takeaway that I got from there that I thought was super cool is that he said, you know, he would look for people who were making either a similar product or if you're coming up with something that's brand new, like he was, which is, you know, carbon fiber cell phone cases, no one else, else making those. He just looked for people who were making carbon fiber products to begin with. And he said, okay, well, these people clearly know how to use this material. If they can make carbon fiber, other products that can probably make a cell phone case as well. Uh, and he said that usually these manufacturers, they, you know, you, you can just provide them with the idea and the concept and they can figure out all the, you know, particulars of the design and figure out a way that it makes it work. So you don't really have to be an expert in that area because they will do that stuff in house and they have experts there that can do it for you. And so he said his process was, uh, he, he uses a 1262 process. And really what that was, was he started out with reaching out to 12 manufacturers. And then he would reach out to all of them and say, hey, I'm looking to do this. Um, can you provide me with some, with some more information? And he said that would eliminate the process down to six because, you know, someone would not respond and some would respond, but would respond really late. And someone had poor communication and some would, you know, just various things would eliminate uh, different people out of the process. And he would weed out, you know, half of them based on those criteria, be left with six. And then from there, he would order uh, order samples. And then from the six that he ordered samples from, he would reduce that down to one or two based on their response time, based on the price that they um, asked for, and then also based on the quality of the product. Uh, and then and then he would make his final choice as to who he would make his order from. Uh, and I like that process because, you know, me never doing manufacturing a, process, a product before and, and you know, honestly th- have thought about doing that. Uh, it was nice to, to hear, like, what sort of, I guess, step you would do, process you would go through to vet a, to vet a, uh, a manufacturer where you would go. So Alibaba and, uh, and that 1262 uh, process is a, is a cool way of going about it. Um, and the thing that I also liked is when he was, you know, marketing his product, the thing that he did that I thought was, was super cool um, was that he, uh, he decided to market his product um, and attach himself to other lifestyle brands. And, uh, and what he did was he tapped into the exotic car uh, kind of image, right? And so he, what he would do is he would take these videos and take these pictures with his cell phone case in front of Lamborghinis and Ferraris and, you know, cars that are, already have carbon fiber components uh, in them. But he would, uh, you know, kind of attach this cell phone case to that lifestyle. So people who are fascinated with these supercars would also be fascinated with his cell phone case. Uh, and I thought that was a great, great way to correlate because of course, a lot of people who love Lamborghinis can't afford one, but Hey, they can afford a, you know, a carbon fiber cell phone case. And it, it gives them a little, a little piece of that lifestyle that they may be looking for. So I thought that was super clever for him to do. Um, another thing that he mentioned that he did that, that I thought was interesting was that he said that, uh, he started creating videos instead of just doing static images, and that helped um, a lot with um, growing his brand. A lot of people resonated a lot more with the video than they did with uh, with static images. And then uh, he was when he was talking about his social media strategy. He you know he built his presence on Instagram, similar to uh, to what um, what David did. And uh, you know he said that now. He, uh, he hires someone to do it, but, you know, he was posting hourly on Instagram and different social media platforms uh, just to get the word out there and get the attention out there. 
Um, and, and, you know, again, similar to what, what David said, you know, when we're talking about different things that made him successful, he, you know, he credited luck and he said, you know, a lot is luck and timing and, and, you know, and, and that plays a significant part, uh, in your success. And, and, you know, like I said before, I think that that's something that people get, they're almost like afraid to admit that there's, there's a luck component in it. But I think it's really important to, to be honest about that because, you know, it doesn't mean that it's all luck. It doesn't mean you're just sitting there on, on the sofa and magically, you know, a business just falls in your lap. But what it does mean is that you can do all the preparation and all the work in the world, but there are certain things, certain elements that have to come into play that you don't necessarily have control over. And if those things don't come into play, then you're, you're probably not going to be successful. And, but it doesn't necessarily mean you give up. You can just, you know, I guess, keep trying different avenues until you find a way in. But it, you know, it's like that, that sort of timing has to match up with your approach at some point. Otherwise you'll never, you'll never be successful. And so, you know, it's kind of like the, the idea of, you know, luck is what happens when opportunity meets preparation. It's not blind luck, but you have to, you have to have the preparation, but the opportunity has to arrive as well. And if the opportunity doesn't show up, you won't be able to find the level of success you're really looking for. So uh, those are my takeaways for the month of November. Uh, I want to thank you for being awesome and joining me on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week. Uh, and I'll be talking with another internet baller and continuing on uh, the podcast and inter- interviewing people and, and doing what I really love to do. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to any messages that you have, uh, any emails that you want to send me. You can send them to michael at internetballers.com. And in the meantime, you can check out the show notes for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha, and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.